It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Making It Personal podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Fersner, and today I am joined by some very, very special guests. Um, I have Kristen Logan and Sydney from Redesign, and so we're going to take some time and allow them to introduce themselves to you all, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Hi there, everyone. This is Sydney Schaefe. As Carrie said, I'm from um, the Redesign team. I'm Redesign's managing director and um, an educational designer there, and also one of the lead writers of the Profile of South Carolina Graduate Competencies. I'm delighted to be here. And I am Kristen Logan. I am one of the personalized learning coaches in the Office of Personalized Learning. And uh, I have been in education for about 15 years here in the state of South Carolina and have had the pleasure of working with these competencies in the field as a coach to uh, my fellow teachers. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to have you all here. So let's jump into this conversation around competencies, SE competencies. So um, here in South Carolina, we have this um, document called the Profile of the South Carolina Graduate. And we know it to be a document that is um, a guide for educators. Um, The goal is that by the time a child matriculates from their earlier years all the way through high school, um, that they should leave our schools having world-class skills, world-class knowledge, and life and career characteristics. And I know for me as an educator, um, when I was a teacher, the profile of the South Carolina graduate would often be shown at the beginning of the school year in a PowerPoint, you know, just to reset everyone. This is what our goal is. This is what our focus should be. So my question for you is, is that enough or is there a need for something else? I think that's a wonderful question, Carrie. And I think I'll respond to your question, if I may, with a few questions. I guess, you know, one thing I might um, ask is, what are teachers saying about how the elements of the profile of a graduate are living in their daily practice? Um, If we looked across different schools in the same district or across the state, would we see consistency in how people are defining what these elements mean? So when we say critical thinking and problem solving or uh, self-direction or knowing how to learn? Do we have a shared understanding of what that means? And do we have shared tools for knowing how to measure uh, students' growth in those areas such that they have attained the profile? And finally, do we know what the end, end goal looks like? Do we have a shared way of saying, you, you know how to learn well enough and it looks like this. And, I, and I'd say, you know, if we could reach out to educators across the state and pose those questions, I wonder what we, what we might learn. Um, but that's ultimately the, the sort of the, the set of questions that drove us to think about, um, you know, do we need a set of competencies to bring clarity and consistency um, and the tools for not just for educators, but for students too, to know where they are um, and uh, to be able to sort of see visibly their own growth as they move toward this end goal of of the profile. Yeah, and I would just piggyback off of you, Sydney, that the fact that um, just thinking about when uh, when we, when I was in the field and we had teachers that were fully bought in. Um, like you said, Carrie, like not only was this posted in the halls, it was posted in their classroom and they knew they wanted this to happen. 
Um, but a lot of times we might hear, you know, well, you know, how do I, how do I teach work ethic? You know, we know that we have to create opportunity for these things to develop over time for kids. They don't have that opportunity, then they don't develop these skills. But a lot of times it was, you know, how do we, how do we teach this? How do we create opportunities for it? And then once we're like creating those opportunities, how do we know if they've gotten better at it? Um, and so I think just to Sydney's point again, like what are, what are, what are teachers saying and how are they, how are they making these come to life? And just like Sydney said, like that was the reason for why we needed um, something more to support this and make it actionable. I think it's also important to add though, that any successful change effort has to start right with a, with a vision. And I think it's really powerful that the state years ago, right, brought folks together mm -hmm. from really different um, backgrounds and, you know, folk educators and folks from industry and community members and leaders across the state to say, what is it that we really envision for all learners? What are we really committed to? And um, how are we going to ensure that every learner graduates ready for the world? And I think, you know, I, um, yeah, so I also want to just name and appreciate, like, that's a really powerful um, and critical piece to any, you know, any effort to improve any system. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's awesome that we have it. And I think it's a question of, okay, so how do we really um, bring this to life in daily practice? Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys naming the fact that, you know, the profile is our shared vision, but there's a need for shared understanding and shared tools across the state so that if a student, you know, is in Allendale County or if they're in Rock Hill or if they're in Orangeburg, there's consistency in what they're learning and how, how they can be supported in their learning. So let me backtrack a little bit. My next question for you is what exactly is a competency for someone who's never even heard of that before? Are those standards? Are they different? Oh, that, Tell me about that's that. That's great, Carrie. Thank you for that. Um, I, I think in its most simplest uh, term, a competency is an important skill set that helps prepare you for the world. Um, and uh, so I, yeah, so I think of it in terms of, of skills, other words we might use are, you know, strategies or practices, but the, the way to sort of, I think, really make this clear is just imagine people doing things successfully in the world, right? If you think about a pilot or a writer or an, or a, a, a lawyer, let's use an attorney um, as an example, right? Attorneys have to make great arguments and they have to substantiate those arguments and they have to be able to, you know, scan lots of different resources and make meaning of those sources. They're synthesizing as they're reading, um, they're building cases, they're tying to evidence. Um, so anyway, so argumentation, um, you know, might be considered a, a competency. And, and so it's a skill set. But here's the thing that's unique about competencies. Um, it's not a skill set that that has relevance in only one domain of your life. Um, competencies are really transferable skills um, that, you know, some folks describe them as empowering skills that are transferable. They're, they give you power and agency, right? When you can do something successfully um, in lots of different contexts, um, uh, that gives you power in life, right? So anyway, competency, I think of as, as transferable skills that have use um, use for us across multiple domains in our lives and are important for preparing young people for the world. Awesome. Awesome definition. I love that. So um, in 
particular the SC competencies. So you noted um, you noted a little while ago that there was a group that came together to kind of craft the profile of the South Carolina graduate. My question for you is now that there are competencies in South Carolina, where did these come from? Who was a part of creating those? And what was that process like? That's great. So the Office of Personalized Learning, this was several years ago. Was this in 2017, yeah. Kristen? Yeah. I think. Okay. I think it was 2017. Um, convened a group of stakeholders similar to the sort of demographic of the, the group, and my understanding that brought together the profile of a South Carolina graduate. So there were folks in leadership, um, you know, uh, teachers, school leaders, superintendents from across the state. Um, so folks in, in the education space, but also uh, we had folks who came from industry, you know, the business community that were part of this stakeholder group. Um, we even had some legislators who came. And uh, essentially, there were there were um, a series of stakeholder meetings where folks came together and redesign as the sort of partner in this work, moved that stakeholder group through a process that got us from let's deconstruct this profile. What does it mean to us? Um, to a set of competencies and a, and a complete competency framework, which we can talk a little bit, uh, we can talk more about in more detail. But essentially, you know, at Redesign, we start with, let's really unpack your vision. What's your hope here? We also shared some example competency frameworks from the field, from other organizations, states, um, school districts, um, and even individual schools that have created their own competency framework that took different approaches. And then we had stakeholder groups respond to those different types of competency frameworks, different, there's no one right way to do this. And so we took their feedback on feedback on what we really liked about this set, what we found really challenging or confusing about this set. Um, and so we brought that, that, um, that input back. And then we did our own round of pretty intensive research on each of the elements of the profile of a South Carolina graduate. So what does the research say today about what critical thinking is and how it gets developed or creativity and innovation? Where do we see that in the world? What does the research say? And so forth. We wanted to take a, a, an approach that helped illuminate how these skills develop, not just what they are, but how young people developed and develop them. And you know, the truth is there, there's a lot of research still to be done on what it looks like to develop um, these, these skills. But I do want to say, you know, you mentioned our, our competency standards earlier. I do want to just name that um, we didn't start from standards and build up. We really started from vision and worked backward from there. Um, and, uh, so again, we did some, some really intensive research around each of these elements and we found something that struck us as, as really interesting. When you look at the research, for example, on creativity or critical thinking, the research really suggests that, you know, critical thinking is not something you develop in one context or in one way. Actually, there are lots of different elements. Critical thinking, it shows up when we ask questions in a certain way. It shows up when we critique other people's ideas or arguments, when we're able to use reasoning to pull evidence in to support our ideas. Um, so there are lots of different expressions of critical thinking. And in order to develop really strong critical thinking skills, you've got to have exposure to all of those different ways of developing critical thinking. And that is one of the reasons that we don't have a critical thinking continuum or developmental rubric. We can't just have one, you know, rubric for critical thinking. I mean, folks have tried and we talked to those folks in the field too. How did this go for you? And they said, you know what? I'm an English teacher. I have this critical thinking rubric. I can never use it like it is. I actually have to take pieces from it and build a rubric 
for this type of task or this type of, you know, uh, assessment. Um, and that was also important input for us. We wanted these tools to be as user-friendly, as ready to go as possible. Um, and if I can just share a quick quote from the research sure. that really made it clear, these elements from the profile are really interconnected. Um, and we're going to have to think creatively about how to create, you know, South Carolina's competency framework. This comes from some of the research that we use to really drill into what do we mean by critical thinking? Um, here's the quote, both creativity and critical thinking are aspects of good purposeful thinking. As such, critical thinking and creativity are two sides of the same coin. Good thinking requires the ability to generate intellectual products, which is associated with creativity. However, good thinking also requires the individual to be aware, strategic and critical about the quality of those intellectual products. Um, in this case, the authors note, critical thinking without creativity reduces to mere skepticism and negativity. And creativity without critical thinking reduces to mere novelty. The two concepts are inextricably linked and develop in mm -hmm. parallel. So for us, that was the, the take home was, all right, we're not just gonna have one way to describe what critical thinking looks like, one sort of continuum for critical thinking that we can use as part of our competency framework, we're going to have to think about what are the contexts in which critical thinking is happening and developing in real life and set those contexts as our important skill sets and then weave in these big ideas like critical thinking, like creativity, like our um, life and career characteristics, like work ethic and interpersonal skills and self-direction. So that was the approach we took. We brought our draft set of competencies to the stakeholder group and the, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. And when I look back at the, the very beginning, when we asked folks, what should we be thinking about? What do you, how do you want us to approach this? Here are some of the things that they shared. Don't make this about checklists or grades. Make these student-friendly and meaningful to learners. Push us to dream big. Don't compromise quality for simplicity. Be ambitious yet realistic. Make sure these are measurable and observable. Focus on a few high leverage competencies. Avoid wordy, thick documents. Um, so that was some of the input we, we had going in. And when we came back and shared um, the set of 12 competencies and also the map for how these 12 competencies connect um, in multiple ways to the elements of the profile, such that as a whole, there are multiple opportunities to practice those elements through these competencies. The feedback was overwhelmingly positive. We had the green light to move into the next phase of design, which was to build these, we call them continuums, but you might think of them as like developmental rubrics. There's no negative language or deficit language. It's all, um, instead of, you know, designing backwards from like standards, right, are designed backwards from college readiness expectations, we actually built forward in a developmental trajectory. How do we, from the, from the earliest developmental stages for young people, how do we develop the skills of navigating conflict or the skills of expressing ideas um, and built forward? And what we ended out up with and what we have now are seven performance levels that describe how each of those competencies or the skills that make up those competencies develop at higher and higher levels of sophistication. And they're intended to be written in a way that's that um, students can make meaning of with support, but that's, that's you know, student-friendly I can statements um, all organized around, um, around these skill sets. And again, the stakeholder group had opportunities to do close readings. They printed out these, you know, these large continuums and provided um, all kinds of feedback. We integrated that feedback. 
Um, and then we went live with that prototype, right? That first version. And then we've been gathering feedback um, from users since then uh, to inform the revision of those of those continuums. Um, and so now we, we're feeling, you know, pretty excited about the competency framework um, that again is built uh, for the profile of a South Carolina graduate. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I really I really like how you named that. When we look at the profile of the South Carolina graduate, there isn't, you know, and we look back at the SC competencies, there's not an integrity competency. There's not a self-directed competency. There's not a perseverance competency or a knowing how to learn competency because they're all integrated. And I like how you said that. Now you named a few of the um, competencies. Could you name them all just so um, our listeners um, can get a, a, a full picture of what the SC competencies are? Absolutely. So our, um, our competencies are reading critically, expressing ideas, investigating through inquiry, using sources, designing solutions, reasoning quantitatively, learning independently, sustaining wellness, navigating conflict, leading teams, building networks, and engaging as a citizen. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Kristen, let me bring you into the conversation a little bit. My question for you is, why are these competencies relevant now to the field? Um, I know that you've done some work um, in your prior role with competency. So where's the relevance, especially now with the times that we're in? Why, why is this something that we should even be talking about in education? Well, that's a good question, Carrie. Um, so we know that in this particular situation now, but honestly, even before, students are all over the place in terms of where they are developmentally. Um, and just like when you're creating a lesson that's based on standards, it's important to keep in mind where all of your students are and not just teach to the middle. One thing that these competencies provide is the fact that because it's a developmental continuum, like Sydney said, when you are working to, let's say, increase students' ability with reading critically, you can look at the different levels that are on the continuums in order to target instruction to meet the students' needs. So uh, when you think about um, just some different ways that these can be used, it's really important, you know, to do goal setting with students and to make their learning transparent. And so uh, one way to do that is instead of using an entire uh, seven level continuum, like Sydney said, um, is to pull out the range that, that meets uh, about where your students are, even though you know, know that there might be some outliers, um, pulling that range out and allowing students to do a little self-assessment. Um, you can do that through conferencing with them. You can do that as a whole group, um, but really helping them unpack what those um, observable actions are that are listed within the skills and the continuum and helping them understand where they are, allowing them to identify the work that they've done um, through you know, um, collaboration to see where they are and then what their next steps are. And so not only does that make the learning transparent for the student, that way they can articulate where they are um, in their pro uh, progress, that also allows the teacher to think about their next steps. So if you're following the developmental continuum and we use the, the whole enchilada rule, if, if a student is, um, is able to um, do everything that is listed in, let's say in level two, and that's not grade level two, that's just level two according to the skill continuum because it is pre-K through adulthood. 
Um, if they uh, have everything in level two, then we mm -hmm. know that the next things they need to be working on are in whatever that level three is. And what's great is then you can craft your lessons around those I can statements and provide opportunities for students to practice those um, to practice those skills. So um, you can design lessons around them. You can provide opportunities for self-assessment, for goal setting. Honestly, you could even use it for, you know, student work analysis. If you've got, um, if you've got uh, the goal of helping kids frame um, inquiry questions and you want to figure out where students are falling, you can use it as a pre-assessment tool to help figure out where your kids are and then determine flexible grouping from there. So really it just allows a lot of flexibility when you know that your kids are in lots of different places um, and uh, they are working on lots of different things. And, and one, one kind of side note, um, you know, we do have 12 competencies. It doesn't mean that you need to be doing um, a lesson that involves, you know, assessing all 12 of these. Usually it's really smart to choose one or two to hone in on. But what's nice is that there's a flexibility that if a student needs to work on um, one skill within one competency, you can have different kids working on different things. So I think that's the, the, the point to make there. So you mentioned, um, both of you mentioned how the competencies were created. Um, and you said that they have seven levels. And, you know, the educator in me sometimes wants to go to, okay, do you mean this is only for first through seventh grade? But you mentioned that this continuum is built out for going from pre-K all the way up to adulthood. Could you talk to me about why you felt the need to create it that way instead of by grade level as we see a lot of things? It's a great question, Carrie. Your question, again, brings me to my own questions, you know, why do we organize kids by, um, as Sir Ken Robinson says, their manufacturing date, right? <laughs> why do we have um, these breaks at the end of the year where, you know, you didn't get it, here's your grade, and you're going to move on to, to new stuff the next year, regardless of whether you deeply learned and were able to demonstrate your learning. There are some things about our current system of education that just defy logic and defy what we now know about how the brain works and how people learn. And so we felt like we want to build uh, a competency framework for the state of South Carolina that truly reflects cutting edge uh, thinking and understandings about how people learn and how the brain works. And so to take this developmental approach was really important. It was a way to sort of honor the most authentic ways of learning that we can articulate in our education system. So, you know, when we say in a competency-based personalized uh, learning approach, you really meet kids where they are, you really do. Um, that's that. These are the kind of tools that are going to support people in doing that. It's not... And there are models out there like this that many people use. I don't mean, I'm not trying to diss them, only just pose the questions. You know, if we, uh, and I'll use the example of when I was supporting some new school startups in, um, in Philadelphia and back, and I also was a part of a school startup in Tanzania and East Africa, same thing. You have certain standards tied to grade levels. What if you have kids coming in multiple years behind? If you are evaluating them based on, a grade level that has nothing to do with where they actually are, what is school going to feel like for those kids? How motivated are they going to be? How well supported are they going to be um, if we're not meeting them where they are? So by, by developing a competency framework that spans early elementary to, you know, pre-professional adulthood, um, 
we're now, we're kind of putting a stake in the ground and saying, let's make learning about learning. Let's make our approach about meeting kids where they are. And then, you know, we have the next level, right? Just as Kristen said, we can set a goal or support them in setting goals figure out the tailored instruction and supports that they're going to need to move and to make progress. And now we're reorienting the whole system around growth instead of evaluation against a standard that is a little bit of an arbitrary mark of where, where you should be. And this is not to say that, you know, college ready expectations aren't important. They are, but let's, let's design tools that optimize growth because the only way you get there the only way you get to those high performance levels is through a system that maximizes growth in learning. And so that that's the reason um, we wanted things to be transparent to learners. We wanted the language of the competency framework to support every learner in understanding what the expectations are at each sort of performance level. But we didn't want to, in our mind, take steps backward and build something uh, using the old blueprint of school that we feel more and more people are. Um, are rethinking and sort of moving past. Well, and a real life example of this um, is uh, we have uh, different schools throughout the state that are piloting these competencies because again, a part of that stakeholder group was then to transition into allowing different um, schools who are schools and districts who are willing to pilot these to then test them out with their students, use them, and then let us know how it's going because we we know that they're still considered a prototype and want to you know gain feedback and, and modify if necessary. So we have a, a middle school, Saluda Trail um, is one of the schools that is piloting our competencies right now. And so going back to that idea of a developmental continuum that um, uh, Sydney mentioned is the fact that uh, part of personalized learning um, is to create learner profiles for students so that they can better know themselves as learners and be able to articulate where they are in their journey. And so they have developed uh, learner profiles where the students um, are able to look at their skill of learning independently, which involves, you know, goal setting, making a plan, being able to monitor progress and take action, strategic action. Um, they are able to hone in on the level that makes the most sense for them and be able to pinpoint um, uh, actual evidence that they are of their of their progress and place it in a digital portfolio uh, or learner profile so that they can say you know this is this is where I am and this is what I'm doing to show where I am and then they are doing and then that portfolio or learner profile is following them uh, through their middle school journey. Um, and then their one of their uh, their feeder high school actually is starting um, their journey with uh, looking at the competencies and they're actually already in conversation about, well, how do they make that bridge to high school then? So really just like Sydney said, it's, it's less about each grade level and, and what specifically is happening there. And it's more about as, as a, as a learner and I'm growing in my ability to learn independently, where am I? And regardless of the grade level, you know, how am I, how am I growing? And so it can just really be about where they are and where they're going next. Carrie, so. one of the things that we like to do when we first introduce folks to these competencies is print out on, what is it? 11 by 14 paper, Kristen, right? Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and I'll, I'll use sustaining wellness as the competency because it's, um, it's a little more personal and folks can, you know, uh, really engage there. So, um, I'll have folks print these out and I'll have them read across the different skills of sustaining wellness, um, understanding my identity, developing, you know, uh, uh, healthy practices in my life. There are a couple different skills and we'll have just folks sit and read from sort of level one up. 
and and where they see that there's evidence in their life that they fully meet the set of indicators for a particular level. We have them, you know, circle or highlight or whatever. I did the same thing. I do the same thing when I go through this exercise with folks. And then I, you know, at the end of it, I sort of hold up my my sustaining wellness uh, continuum. And I'll tell you what, Carrie, I am all over the map. Right. And I'm a grown woman, right? <laughs> it's true that we really are like human variability is not mm -hmm. the exception. It's the rule, right? Um, and so it's a, it's a kind of a good exercise. I would challenge readers to try this out, take one of these competencies and just sort of self-assess, see where you are. And, and, you know, it, it always bears out that we are in, we are in different places with each of these skills and that that's, that's okay. That's, that's being human. <laughs> well, and what's great about that, Sydney, is, you know, going through that yourself as an educator, one, you get to learn the tool better, but two, you also are able to then model for students that it's okay to be all over mm -hmm. the place. So that, again, supports that culture yeah. of, of growth as opposed to competition. So it's great. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. We'll be right back. We are back um, and just in time for our special segment. This is a segment I like to call making it or breaking it. So ladies, I want you to <laughs> share with me either a make, which is something cool that you've seen happening in the world of personalized competency-based learning um, or something that you're currently make, making happen or a break, which is something uh, that may have been a concern or barrier or something that we need to break in order to give personalized competency-based learning a chance for students across the state. So which will it be, make or break? I'm going to say a make, um, and I will let, um, I'll, I'll explain a little bit, but then I'll let Sydney go more in detail. Uh, so one thing that is um, also, that is uh, really promising right now that we have going on with our um, profile of the South Carolina graduate competencies is, um, as you mentioned, Carrie, kind of in the context of what's going on um, right now uh, with kids learning is um, there's this real need to support um, social emotional learning. And um, it, I mean, it always has been, but just in this context where, um, where, where kids are in different places and they've got different challenges just due to the you know, pandemic. Um, one thing that's great is that we um, uh, partnered with Redesign again and created a uh, crosswalk between the CASEL competencies and the Profile of the South Carolina Graduate Competencies because we knew a lot of um, districts were focusing on the CASEL competencies in order to help support their students with social emotional learning. And so um, the intention of creating the crosswalk is so that um, educators can see where those competencies are aligned to um, our, our profile of the South Carolina graduate competencies and then are able to use our, our competencies as a tool to help measure um, and provide feedback for the CASEL competencies. And so um, I can let Sydney go a little more in detail, but I, that would definitely be a make because it's another additional tool um, that people can use in order to target social emotional learning by using our profile of the South Carolina graduate competencies. Awesome, awesome. I love that. Yeah, I don't have much to add other than that, you know, one of our one of our goals in designing the continuums was just, as I said, to make things really transparent, to describe what what's the observable thing for how this, you know, this skill develops. And it was so fun to to create this crosswalk because it was so clear 
right? When you go to the castle website and you look at the, you know, self-awareness, self-management, you look at these competencies and then they have, you know, a short description and a few bullets underneath each one of those. So for example, self-management, right? Here's what castle gives us impulse control, stress management, self-discipline, self-motivation, goal-setting, organization skills. We were able to say, well, we, we built out these whole, you know, set of indicators through this, you know, developmental continuum um, that definitely connects directly to these things, um, like impulse control in our navigating conflict competency. We have a, an entire skill and continuum for recognizing and managing my emotions. And we've built in strategies into the language that learners can use, any learner really, <laughs> adult learners too, um, for managing those, you know, for managing impulses, for understanding their emotional experience, their response, what's happening in their body, um, and to get to a place where they can eventually be in dialogue around what their experience is. So anyway, it's just, or stress management, you know, so it was really exciting to see we've got, we've got language more detailed for educators um, than, you know, that this is the guidance that Castle's, Castle has offered us, but we do have, um, you know, detailed language that even kids can use um, to be working on those those skills. So that's um, that's great. I'm gonna. Can I do a a break animate? Sure, sort of go one, ahead. Uh, All right. So this is a bit controversial, but I'm gonna put it out there. Okay, let's go for it. <laughs> the break for me. The break for me is uh, these these four point proficiency scales, where you you know you take the you take the standard and you say okay here's the target. And then it's what's missing. And then it's, you know, further to the left, like what's really missing. And, you know, so really a lot of deficit language and it's all about the whole purpose, right. Of that is evaluation. I need to give kids a grade. So let me build out language that helps me figure out how to grade them on this standard. So that's, that's my break because it's not really about um, learning and growth. It's more about evaluation, but the alternative, the good news, right. Um, here's the make, which is, what we've been working on with um, educators in South Carolina is taking these very large uh, skill continuums um, and then using data from our students, right? Which of these levels represents the sort of min and max range for where my kids are? So pulling in those levels and then creating what we're calling developmental rubrics. So instead of, right, level one, is really missing the mark. It's not there at all. I don't see evidence or here's what's wrong. Um, level one is a positive I can statement about what is there and where kids are that every kid can find themselves, right? Every, everyone can see themselves on the continuum. And level two, because it's developmental, just builds up from there and level three and so forth. And so now educators don't have to build these, you know, proficiency scale rubrics that you spend a lot of time writing language about what's not there and mm -hmm. what's missing. And instead they can pull right from the continuum to construct their rubric for their assessments, right? Assessments where students are expressing ideas. Is it an argumentative essay? Is it a, is it a narrative? Um, are they participating in an academic discussion? We have language for all of that. Um, reading critically, as I said, um, uh, leading teams, leadership, right? And so forth. So anyway, they can pull language right from the continuum. It's going to save a lot of time. And back to where we started, right? Shared understanding of what this looks like, consistent, stable criteria that not just as a department, not just as a grade band, right? But throughout my entire, potentially my entire district, K, you know, K to 12 or pre-K to 12, we're using the same indicators to to understand where students are and measure growth um, 
So there's real vertical alignment around skill development. I think that's incredibly powerful and practical, right? I don't have to recreate. I can adapt. I can layer in language from the standards as needed to address disciplinary content or more discipline-specific skills. Um, but there's a lot of work that you know has been done. I can just grab it and create my developmental rubric um, that, again, represents where my kids are um, so everyone gets to participate in meaningful growth in their learning. Awesome. So I know for sure my takeaways from just this conversation are that the SC competencies are a powerful tool that bring back transparency. They bring out growth in students and they ultimately get us back to learning, to true learning so that students can not only, you know, know where they are, but they can start where they are and they can thrive and move beyond that. That's awesome. My last question for you all is, um, so we we talked a little bit around um, the SC competencies where, um, well, I guess I'll ask and answer this question. Some people might be wondering where the competencies can be found. And to answer that, if you visit our website, um, personalizesc.ed.sc.gov, you'll find um, links to the competencies and more information on those. We'll also link in the description box of this podcast um, some of the things that you mentioned, like the Castle Crosswalk and um, some direct links to the different ways that the competencies have been broken down. So we do have like a full sheet continuum of each of the competencies, but we also have, um, like I think you were mentioning, Kristen, if I as a teacher know that my students fall within a certain range out of that one to seven, you know, continuum, then we have those um, designed as well to just pull those out um, in those range forms. Um, but my last question for you all is, um, where can our listeners find you or get in touch with you or reach you if they have other questions or just want to hear more or see your journey? Oh, that's great. We would love to hear from you. You can reach us, my team at Redesign. We love supporting this work. Um, so you can send us a note at hello at redesignu.org. That's where you can find us. Or you can reach out. I'm Sydney at redesignu.org. You can drop me a note. Um, but we would love to connect with you and, um, yeah, and support your journey in whatever way we can. Thanks, Carrie. Awesome. And you can connect uh, with me at klogan at ed.sc.gov or on Twitter, uh, Keefs727, K-E-E-F-S-727. Um, and looking forward to connect with you. Sounds great. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much again for joining me. I've enjoyed this conversation. We'll be right back to close things out. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizesc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!